The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up. As we gather for worship upon this Reformation Sunday, the liturgy, music, and homily are offered for our gathered congregation here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later around the world at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed response, your self-selection of forms of leadership and service in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. This Lord's Day, we take to heart the words of Martin Luther, if there is anything in us, it is not our own, it is a gift of God. But if it is a gift of God, then it is entirely a debt one owes to love, that is, to the law of Christ. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray. Almighty and merciful God, it is only by your gift that your faithful people offer you true and laudable service. Grant that we may run without stumbling to obtain your heavenly promises through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Our choir in a moment will guide us in meditation and individual confession through the singing of the Kyrie eleison. This Reformation Lord's Day, we recall the direction of Martin Luther, who wrote, Without a doubt, we are named after Christ, not absent from us, but dwelling within us. In other words, provided that we believe in him and that in turn and mutuality, we are a second Christ to one another, doing for our neighbors as Christ does for us. Let us bow together and let us pray. But for thy grace we would not be, and but for thy grace we could not love, and but for thy grace we should not speak. But by thy grace we live and love and speak. Beloved, hear good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the second epistle to the Thessalonians, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 and 11 through 12. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We must always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, as is right, 
because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith during all your persecutions and the afflictions that you are enduring. To this end, we always pray for you, asking that our God will make you worthy of his call and will fulfill by his power every good resolve and work of faith, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading responsibly verses from Psalm 119 with the Antiphon.
You are righteous, O Lord, and your judgments are right. You have appointed your decrees in righteousness and in all faithfulness. My zeal consumes me because my foes forget your words. Your promise is well tried, and your servant loves it. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is the truth. Trouble and anguish have come upon me, but your commandments are my delight. Your decrees are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I'm Please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. He entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
Please be seated. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he, Lord Sabaoth, his name, from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. Come down, Zacchaeus. I can barely make you out up there in the sycamore tree, up in the balcony, out on the radio waves. I don't quite see you. Are you up the doubting tree or in the idolatrous tree, the idolatry, or on the wealth tree or up the religion tree? Come down, Zacchaeus, and hear the good news. This is the gospel, pure. Jesus invites us into loving relationship with himself and thereby and there through into loving relationship with our neighbor. May we measure all by love. Is that, is that you up the doubting tree? Come down a branch. You have every right and perhaps good reason to be on that branch. If part of your doubt is caused by the hurt of unexplained wrong. There is no denying the random nature of life over 15 billion years within creation and 100,000 years of hominid experience. We know full well about the random and the way bad things happen to good people in inexplicable, unexplainable ways. Is that why you are up the doubting tree? But let me invite you for a branch at least to doubt some of your doubts. This, by the way, is not a theological declamation herein, nor a paying him a praise to providence far from it. We preach human freedom from this pulpit. And yet, we observe that a wrong in the little can sometimes prevent a wrong in the large. One day we went to play golf mistakenly. I seized the three wood for a short shot and the ball dribbled out along the ground. Good thing because with a full stroke it would have gone through a thousand dollar plate glass window in the clubhouse ahead. A little wrong in the small, a good prevention in the large. Or one day some years ago for the 8.30 service, the sermon was prepared and rehearsed jogging early along the canal and time went by. I lost the time. Came back and I knew I was late and I had to hurry and I drove and I cut some corners, literally cutting one corner over the curb, pulled into the parking lot with a flat tire to the right rear. But you know, those tires I knew were thin I should have replaced them earlier. Better that I had that at 20 miles an hour on a tree-lined street than at 70 miles an hour on the highway, which brings us to you and your story of Joseph, he who had the misfortune of being the favorite son, the coat of many colors, his brothers Reuben and Zebulun and Naphtali and all, threw him in a pit, leaving him dead or for dead, but... Along came the caravan from Egypt. They put Joseph in the last chariot, and off he went for a generation, 30 years, to become, over time, 
the chancellor of the exchequer in the breadbasket of the Middle East, the treasurer. He couldn't be stopped even when Potiphar's wife chased him around in his underwear. And then out of, the Pal out of Palestine came his brothers saying, what? Famine, hunger, feed us, and knocked at the door. And who greeted them? Your Joseph. And what did Joseph say? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good, that through one, many might be saved. Sometimes hurt in one generation prevents full starvation in the next generation. And here we are today in Jericho. You miss the parable if you don't hear the hurt. Jesus attends, give, gives divine attention to one who stands against the purpose and the mission of the church of the people of God. He listens to Zacchaeus. Would you come down just a step, Zacchaeus, just a branch for a moment? Zacchaeus stands for what Jesus' disciples opposed, and yet this is a hard hurt. Jesus determines to sup with him. Hear the pure gospel. Jesus invites you into loving relationship with himself and thereby and therethrough into loving relationship with others. That is, that conversion of Zacchaeus provided fourfold resource, quadruple tithing, benefit and help in the unforeseen future. We are in a season, an autumnal season that completes a year-long season of malaise and difficulty in the demise of parts of our culture. And it is easy, if you will, to be swamped with anxiety and depression. But don't you know sometimes this is not a theological argument, nor it is, a, is it a pay-in to providence. It's just what we observe in experience, that sometimes a little difficulty along the way now provides an opening we don't see yet for later. That it may be that some women and men along the trail of American experience in this year will find a way to summon courage and to work in a new, fuller measure for a just culture, a participatory culture, a sustainable culture and society. Come down, Zacchaeus. I can't, I can't make you out up there. Or... Maybe you're up the idolatrous tree, the idolatry. You know that when we mistake the one great loyalty of our lives, the centering of our experience in the divine presence, for lesser loyalties, when lesser loyalties occlude and shadow the one great loyalty, then we step into and fall into idolatry. Zacchaeus has many responsibilities and loyalties, but he lacks the central one. He lacks the keystone in the arch. He lacks the one that would make the others last and make sense. He has responsibility and relationship at home and in the hearth. He has responsibility and relationship in community and leadership in society. He has a governmental role. He's a tax collector. Someone needs to take, take up the taxes, but he misses the one central loyalty, what the soul owes to God, the sense of the divine presence. 
a stillness, if you will, and up the tree he goes. I can, I can see you up there. It would help if you'd come down just a mite. You know, last Sunday, do you remember, we asked forgiveness for the seven deadly sins. Lust, gluttony, avarice, sloth, anger, envy, and integrity without humility. Pride is integrity without humility. When you lurch forth like a good boy scout, knowing the law, trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent, all full of integrity, but lack even a tiny measure of humility, pride is integrity without humility, then you run a terrible risk of doing lasting harm. Then in all of your integrity, you blow past, bulldoze over, blaze through. The humility, in the scout motto, good turn daily. And you lay aside due process. And you lay aside honored practice and experience, the way things are done. And you lay aside the advice and counsel of your supervisors. And you lay aside the nuance of your conscience which warns against integrity without humility. Come down, Zacchaeus. Come down and take on and receive the gift of faith and share in a common dream. We harbor a common dream, a common dream that our world be set by warming and climate change will be cooled by cooler minds and calmer perspectives and hearts. We harbor a common dream, a dream that this world at daggers drawn with nuclear weapons near and far will continue to find a way toward peace and detente. We harbor harbor a common dream that this great land, the land of the free and the home of the brave, my country tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. We'll find a way out of the morass of our current cultural distress and sing the song and hear the tune and tell the story of the better angels of our nature. We harbor a common dream, a shared central dream together that this country fractured by separation of rich children and poor children children in Greenwich, Connecticut, and children in Onega, Kansas, separated by a lack of free and full education, free and full health care, free and full across gender difference, capacity for election and selection, will over time give way to that just and participatory and sustainable society that is our common hope. We harbor a common dream that universities, schools, and colleges, including our very own, will sustain a balance between a love of learning and a sense of meaning. The pursuit of knowledge and a regard for goodness, the thrill of discovery, but also a capacity for recovery of what makes and keeps human life human. We have a common dream that through all all of our difficulty this year, we will find our way to the family Thanksgiving table and pass the potatoes and carve the turkey and cut the pie and be able, even if grudgingly, 
to offer one another kindness and pity and words of love. And we have a common dream. We harbor a common dream, not just of this world, but of this world as a foundation and formation for a world to come that is not just of life, but of eternal life, not just of earth, but of heaven, not just of health, but of salvation, not just of creation, but of new creation. Come down a bit, Zacchaeus. Receive the gift. It's a gift always of faith. And banish the idolatrous from the idolatry. Or maybe I was mistaken. Maybe that's you up the wealth tree. Zacchaeus was wealthy. If nothing else, we know that Luke's church wrestled with issues of wealth. Remember, the parable comes to us written, not spoken. In Greek, not Aramaic. From Luke, not Jesus. To the Mediterranean basin, not to Palestine. He's speaking of a church like many over the next several centuries, struggling to make of community something that is more than endless contention and intractable deference, struggling with the wealth that makes a way forward possible. Every one of us in this room, without exception, by global and historical measures, is wealthy. We are like Zacchaeus in that way. And Luke's church found a way forward, teaching by precept and example, a capacity for ongoing generosity. One said to me, I wish earlier in life I had learned the thrill and joy of giving. No one benefits more in giving than the giver, and in this season of giving, and and we as the giver, we encourage you to keep before you the least and the last and the lost, those at the dawn of life, those in the twilight of life, and those in the shadows of life. Come down, Zacchaeus. It turned out to be our last autumn in seminary in 1978. We thought we'd have another half year and maybe a year, but due to illness, we left New York City in the winter. That Thanksgiving of 1978, we lived along the Hudson, not the Charles, and walked Riverside Park, not the Esplanade, and studied not at Boston University, but Union Seminary. The day after Thanksgiving, uh, Jan left early for shopping. I had worked night by night as a security guard to pay the bills, 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., and promptly went to sleep at 7 a.m. She left the door ajar, and in came at noon one of New York Street people, and I woke up to find her staring down at me shaking her rosary beads and saying something unintelligible. And yes, did I shriek, and yes, did I run down the stairs with three of New York's finest. We came up later to find her taking a bath, and they said, let her enjoy it. Off she went. That's not a theological declamation or a pain to providence. It's an observation that for us that one moment was an ongoing omen that in ministry and service in the years to come, we ought to keep before us those most in need. May it be so. Come on down from that wealth tree, Zacchaeus, and take on the happy, joyful practice of tithing. Or maybe on this Reformation Sunday, you realize you are up the 
religion tree. Religion is a good thing, especially when it's not just the form, but the power of it that we know. Zacchaeus had the former, but not the latter. Come down, if you will, Zacchaeus. All the religious apparatus in the world is no substitute for loving relationships. All of the theological acumen in the world is no substitute for loving relationship. All of the philosophical acuity one can muster is no substitute for loving relationship. All of the art and talent in the world, we're in the grace business, not the talent business, is no substitute for loving relationship. All of the musical beauty in the world, vocal and choral and orchestral, is no substitute for loving relationship. Come on down. Here is the gospel. Someone stops you at Wegmans this week and says, did you go to Marsh Chapel and what did you hear? May you be able to say, I heard the gospel and now I am living it day by day. Jesus invites us to loving relationship with himself and through him and through, through all to loving relationship with our neighbor, which, yes, brings to mind Martin Luther, standing at the door of the Wittenberg Church, nailing upon it his 95 theses in 1517, now almost exactly 500 years ago, and later famously saying, here I stand, I can do no other, God help me. And what did he say? Sola fide, by faith alone, by grace you are saved through faith, not by the works of the law. Crux sola nostra theologia, the cross alone is our theology. He said it so clearly that a middle-aged Anglican priest on a rainy night in May 1738 along Aldersgate Street in London, going unwillingly to churches, sometimes we do, heard Romans 8 read and Martin Luther's commentary upon Romans 8. And Mr. John Wesley, I am one of his preachers. Mr. John Wesley felt his own heart strangely warm that the gospel, to receive the gospel is a personal receipt of a personal gift. That this was meant not just for others, but for me. Here is an old, ostensibly humorous little story. I say ostensibly because you may not find it humorous at all. A man goes to the Hurley Gates He faces St. Peter who says, let's check you out. Tell me about the good in life. What have you done? And the man says, well, it takes 100 points to get in, says St. Peter. He says, I I led a Pinewood Derby once. Good, he says, one point, says Peter. Well, what else? Well, one snowy winter I shoveled my neighbor's walk. And Peter says, one point, that's good for you. He said, anything else? He said, well, I used to listen to Marsh Chapel on the radio broadcast once a month or so. And Peter says, good, one point. And the man bows his chin and says, you know, I'm never going to make it to 100 points. That's about all I've got. I wouldn't get in except by the grace of God. And St. Peter says, grace of God, 97 points. You are in. Jesus invites us in a spirit of love, and may the sermons of this year be in a spirit of love, into loving relationship with himself and through himself into loving relationship with 
our neighbors. Hike dixit dominus, thus saith the Lord. Zacchaeus, come down from that doubting tree. Zacchaeus, come down from that idolatry. Zacchaeus, come down from that wealth tree. Zacchaeus, come down from that religion tree and receive the gift, the life-changing, everlasting gift of faith. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, his name, from age to age the same. And he must win the battle. Come down, Zacchaeus. Come down. Amen. As we come now to a time of prayer in our service, I invite you to assume a posture of prayer which best allows you to support the prayers of the community. Remain seated, stand, kneel, or come to the altar rail as the choir leads us in our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. Today we pray for and with the people of the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe, other indigenous peoples and allies from around the globe who pray and maintain vigil at the Camp of the Sacred Stones north of Cannonball, North Dakota, as they call attention to the Dakota Access Oil Pipeline. These water protectors bear witness to protect land and water from environmental harm and to affirm tribal sovereignty. Our litany today is modeled on a resource shared by Presbyterian clergy and laypersons working among the water protectors. As we remember the water protectors, we recount the words of our epistle writer today. We must always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of everyone, every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith during all your persecutions and the afflictions which you are enduring. Abundant creator, sovereign God, today we pray. We pray for the earth and all the resources you have provided. We pray for wisdom, courage, and strength 
for the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe and for its chairman, David Archambault, and his family. We pray for strength and courage for the water protectors and their families. We pray for peace and unity at the camps. We pray for the provision of food, water, and shelter, and the meeting of other needs for the water protectors, particularly those who plan to witness in winter. We pray for wisdom and vision for the people working on legal battles, and we pray that they honor the sovereignty of of Native peoples. We pray for patience and a willingness to rely on nonviolence for the government and corporate authorities involved. And we pray for the leaders of Christian faith communities, especially Presbyterian, Episcopalian, and United Methodist communities, as they collect and discern where to use funds for the camps and the water protectors. Creator God, your decrees are righteous forever. Give us understanding that we may live. And now we are bold to praise your children in the words of our brother, Jesus. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. peace of the Lord be always with you. We greet you once again here in the nave of Marsh Chapel and encourage your vigorous celebration of this, the 499th anniversary of the Reformation, although we discourage your nailing of theses or anything else to the doors of the chapel. Thank you very much. We do invite you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew, passing that book along to your neighbors so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. You may wish to join us uh, tomorrow evening on Halloween, uh, for which we uh, wish you a happy and safe celebration. You may wish to join us for a, uh, and the Episcopal chaplaincy here at BU for a special uh, celebration of night prayer. 
as we both celebrate All Hallows' Eve and the departure of our Episcopal chaplain, the Reverend Dr. Cameron Partridge, who has accepted a call to St. Aidan's Episcopal Church in San Francisco. Our uh, well wishes go with him, and you may greet him following that service downstairs over hot chocolate and cookies. Next Sunday here at the chapel is our monthly communion service, and we invite you to be here at 11 o'clock for that, and then join us downstairs in the marsh room for our monthly potluck luncheon. Please do bring a dish to pass, but come even if you don't. As the ushers wait upon us for the morning offering, we invite you to meditate upon Raphon Williams' setting of Psalm 90, Lord, thou hast been our refuge. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Let us pray. God of grace and generosity, our refuge, fortress, and strength, who calls us by name and provides us with every good thing, receive our gifts and offerings, we pray. May they be used to accomplish your work of justice and peace in the world. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and lead us out into the world, strengthened and nourished by your word. Through Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and always. Amen. Mm -hmm. 